to another episode of Parminio. So tell me, how do you implement a process? That's a common interview question for many chiefs of staff, and it's a common um, dilemma that's going to be posed when you're actually in the role of a chief of staff, because invariably, you're going to be involved, most likely, in the implementation or the re-engineering of some kind of a process, overseeing it in some way, involved in it in some way, as the chief of staff. So what we're going to do here on this episode of the podcast is we're going to go few, through a few things. First of all, we're going to define what a process is um, from the perspective of an organization and a business. Secondly, we're just going to walk through the BPM, Business Process Management Maturity Model, and just talk about what that is and how that equates to processes. Um, because depending upon your organization, you're going to have a, a very immature um, process organization or a very mature process, and that can impact how you um, navigate and proceed. Then we're just going to talk about Hammer's seven principles of organization when it comes to process management, uh, just to give us some back, uh, background and best practices. And then we're going to talk about the steps that you should take to implement a process. So if I was being asked this question during an interview, how I would succinctly articulate uh, the methodology by which I would oversee and implement a process. All right, so let's get into the details here. So a definition of a process, and this is from Hammer and Champy in uh, 93. And Hammer and Champy done a lot of work on business process management. In fact, kind of coined the term um, business process reengineering. And a process is a set of activities that put together produce a value to a customer. That's their definition of a process. So it's a set of activities um, that when we go through them brings value to a customer. A process orientation is deeply rooted in a focus on customers and thinking in activities. And again, that's from Hammer and Champy, um, two big proponents of process and, and obviously two of the people that are considered to be masters of process management. So we want to think about it as activities and customers, and we want to have kind of a process orientation when we go about implementing processes. Um, depending upon the organization that you're in, you could be in a startup organization that's going to have probably an immature uh, process management approach and orientation just because the organization, how it operates together, hasn't figured out how to do these things yet. You might have some experts in process management, people that have done these things before, but as an organization, you have to learn how to work together. And so you might have an immature um, business process management governance model. Or you could be in a highly mature organization, a very large one that has Six Sigma and black belts and very sophisticated and mature BPM model. And both of these things are going to affect kind of how you proceed and go about it. You're still going to have a, a very similar plan of action regardless, um, but how you navigate the waters will be a little bit different in each one. 
Anyways, in the BPM maturity model, it consists of six things. Just to, good to be aware of these things. First of all, strategic alignment. That has to do with the alignment between BPM and the strategic goals of the organization. How formally are these things aligned? Second, governance. How well is BPM structured into the overall organization? Is there a governance structure to it? In a startup, probably not going to be the case. In a very large organization, GE, Honeywell, those kind of organizations, very likely the case, Six Sigma proponents and whatnot. Number three is methods. And this is the methods by which you do process design, analysis, and measurement. How mature are they? Fourth is IT and how well you utilize IT as the basis for design. Obviously, it's a big important ingredient in getting efficiencies in processes to automate them, of course. Fifth is people. Where are your employees as far as their knowledge of process management and design? How sophisticated are they? And sixth is um, culture. And the culture consists of systems and processes and improvement and a knowledge of those things. And moving on to culture, there's been four things um, talked about that are specific cultural values which power a BPM organization. This is from Schmeidel in 2012. Number one is having a customer orientation. Number two is being about excellence. Three is being a sense of responsibility and accountability for each person. And four is a teamwork and process orientation. So those are cultural elements that will help your organization implement processes and manage them. These are just good things to know uh, because you can kind of take a step back and kind of understand um, the difficulties in implementing a process in your organization if you assess the orient, the maturity before you start to do it. When we get to Hammer, Hammer uh, articulated seven principles uh, of organizing principles when it comes to business process management and redesign. It's going to kind of walk through these here. And it's just to help us with our process orientation and how we think about implementing processes. First of all, is Hammer says to organize around outcomes and results, not tasks. So it's important to think about when you're putting a process into place, what are the outcomes, what are the results, what is the flow of these things, and how can I organize around that, not task. Second, who uses the output of the processes should be performing the processes. Let me think about it like that way. You get things closest to where the work is performed and having the people do it. Um, that's a good model. Number three, the steps of the process should be performed in their natural order, um, not trying to take them out of sequential order, of course, by thinking you're going to get some improvements and some efficiencies in doing that. Fourth, geographical dispersed units. Um, you want to think about them as if they were centralized when you're going into your, your process redesign and process implementations from a, from a sequential standpoint and a technological standpoint. Obviously, geographic dispersions poses other issues and problems, but from a process and systems design approach, this is what a hammer's organizing principles. Number five, link parallel activities instead of integrating results. Number six, decision points, put those where the work is performed. 
So when you have decision points, put them where the actual work is being performed. Don't extract them and put them in other places. And um, number seven, capture information once and at the source. And you can think about these organizing principles. If you stick to these organizing principles, on the surface, many of them are make intuitive sense. Capture information once and at the source. Makes it easier. Why have capturing information twice and not at the source, right? A quick example um, would be one, and it's a, a cap, an example of, of process design that many people have heard of these things, where you have centralized purchasing. In one organization, what they did was they had the centralized purchasing group you know, negotiate the contracts for supplies and so forth. And then when the different units needed to order supplies like pens and papers, they would have to put in a request to purchasing. Purchasing would queue up the request. Purchasing would finally make a, a, a order after they got to a certain queued level. And then they would get in the shipments and disperse them to the units. And so what happened was the units that were ordering pens and papers and pencils would be waiting and waiting to get the supplies. The change they made was to give the department's P cards, purchasing cards, again, doing the activity at the point where the work occurs, and then negotiating the best suppliers and prices and volumes, and that's what purchasing did. So purchasing negotiated the prices, the individual business units would have purchasing cards, they would make the orders, and then they would get the supplies in on a much more timely basis. That's a quick example around how to implement processes from um, Hammer's organizing principles and that it always worked best and worked well if you think in that manner. All right, so let's get down to how do I succinctly talk about implementing a process. If you're being interviewed and someone says, well, how do you implement a process? or if you're in your role as a chief of staff and you're implementing process, how do you think about it? We talked about organizational change and best practices on one of our other podcasts. A lot of the same stuff relates um, to implementing a process. And when we wanna think about what the steps are, we're gonna talk about five high-level steps here and a couple of sub-steps. But number one, I always start off with articulating the vision and the objectives of what we're trying to achieve with the process. On the organizational change management best practices, the research shows us that organizational changes that don't start off with an articulated vision do not perform as well. So we wanna articulate the vision about what, where we're trying to go and what that looks like along with the objectives associated with it. Um, here's one quick example of that, this. On a, here's a vision kind of wording and how it's articulated from a big process change that happened from BP, British Petroleum, Australia, and BP New Zealand. In 91, they linked, integrated their activities, which were separate from those two countries prior to this um, uh, integration project that happened and this is this is a big integration project with systems and people and how people work together so it's a big process and BP a large company and what they did was they articulated a, a vision uh, around why they were doing this to link it to their objectives and that's where you want to start 
And their vision was, we want to move from being a, to be moving from being transaction processors to knowledge workers. They want to move from being functionally managed to being process managed. And that was the vision statement that they came up with to uh, be the high level understanding and to articulate where they were trying to move as an organization. And then what you do is you follow that up with the specific objectives behind it. So Hammer, by the way, considers it essential to have a high level understanding and vision along with an executive uh, sponsor and ex leadership team support. So first and foremost, articulate your vision and objectives of the uh, process. Number two, leadership team support, CEO support and executive sponsor. Again, Hammer considers that essential. And you want to have a leadership team support when you're rolling these types of things out. You want to get everybody's buy-in within the organization on the importance of what's happening. We know from our work on goal setting best practices that the two of the biggest factors that drive goal commitment are importance of the goal and belief that we can achieve the goal. So if we don't have executive management support and we're trying to implement a new process, think about the difficulty that we might have on getting commitment. So we want leadership team support, executive sponsor. Number three, I want to know who's impacted and who has an interest in this project. So I'm going to use a change management stakeholder analysis tool, assess who has an interest, who's impacted by it, talk to uh, my partner, um, get their feedback and thoughts, and then put together a project team for this process based upon that. Once we form the project team, we can talk about our project vision and our objectives and agree upon those things. Um, some of the other things we're going to want to have, of course, we're going to want to complete a process map and get agreement on what that looks like and the outcomes and results of that. Number three, we're going to want to have a communication plan um, for an education and training program and plan. Number five, an organizational change plan component to it. And six, our implementation plan. And our implementation plan is likely to be a phased piloted approach. And so that's going to be what our team is going to be working on to implement this process. As we're going through it, we're going to be updating people within the organization that have an interest in it and who are impacted by it to make sure we're getting buy-in and support, just as we talked about on the organizational change management podcast that we did. And flowing through it, once we've done and completed all these steps, then we're going to come back, get approval from the leadership team and work to implement and test. And again, I would probably do it, these things in a phased piloted approach. And then as we work out the kinks and fix the issues involved, we can roll it out in stages to the rest of the organization. So those are the basic five components. Step one, articulate the vision and the objectives of the process. Number two, leadership team, CEO support sponsor. Number three, organizing the project team using an interest impact um, two by two to understand who should be on this team. Um, going through each of the components we just talked about when, when chartering that team and what we're gonna be doing. Number four, implementing, testing, and piloting. And then number five, rolling out to the rest of the organization. Of course, each of those components includes education and training, 
communication plan, organizational change plan, and of course our, our process map that we've designed as a part of this. And of course we'll be doing all those things along the way as we roll it out. So there you have it, um, a succinct way to articulate, well if somebody asks you how do I implement a process? Articulate the vision and objectives of the process. Um, we get leadership team and buy-in, CEO support. We form a project team based upon people that have an interest and impact and based upon what the project entails, IT or not IT, things like that. As part of our project team, we're gonna have a project vision and objectives, a process map, a communication plan, education and training program, uh, or overall organizational change management plan, and then our implementation plan. We're looking at a phase pilot approach. We will then get approval to do that from the leadership team and we'll be updating them as we move along to make sure we have stakeholder buy-in and agreement. We then work to implement, test it, pilot, roll it out. And then once we have all the kinks and the problems work out, we phase and roll it out to the rest of the organization. So that's a pretty succinct model that you can articulate. And I remember years ago I was at an organization, we implemented a new pricing strategy approach, which was pretty different and radical from the approach that they had used prior and that the, the approach they had used prior was a cost plus approach based upon you know, net income, those kind of things. We changed it to a strategic pricing model based upon marginal, um, marginal income and things like that, which was different for the organization. But we successfully introduced the process and changed it we used the same exact model. We, had our, we articulated the vision of where we were trying to go and our objectives. We had strong leadership team buy-in and support from the executives and finance and HR and the operations groups and sales and marketing. It took some work to get us there, but we got it. And then we, we formed a project team and basically we went through a process map, a communication plan, education and training program, organizational change component, implementation. We then rolled it out in, with a phased approach and then we brought it out to the whole organization very successfully. It's the exact same model that we talked about here. All right, there you have it. And by the way, the show notes for this podcast will be up. If you go to parmenopatron.com, you'll find them. P-A-R-M-E-N-I-O-P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And then you can find the written notes for this as well. And I want to thank you, everybody, once again, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And thank you for listening to another episode of Parminio.